world around us is polluted with thousands of polarized opinions regarding scientific advances, ethics, and truth. It may seem quite hard to find your footing, your voice in the clamoring crowd, and your vision in such convoluted topics such as climate change or stem cell ethics. Our goal is to provide some clarity to the big questions of Christianity and science by examining holistic biblical, philosophical, and experiential views held by Christians and non-Christians alike throughout the centuries. Through this journey, we hope not only to deepen your understanding of science, but to ultimately deepen your love for God and His wondrous creation. This is The Convergence Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Convergence Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Minch. I am Caleb Metz. And today we got a few guest stars on to help us talk about Elon Musk and the future colonization of Mars. So first up, we've got Nate Chisholm, who you've seen on here before. He's been with us to talk about alien life and the potential of extraterrestrial life on in our universe. So uh, welcome back, Nate. Thanks for having me, guys. Yes, and we've got a new face to the podcast, or voice, because we don't have recording audio and not video here. Uh, and so we got Thomas Burgess, who I've, I've worked with over the summer, and he's a big Elon Musk fan. I see he's brought with him his uh, Elon Musk biography here to the recording studio. Yep. We, hope to, we hope to see some good knowledge out of that. So, all right, let's, uh, I guess we're, we're going to dive right into this. So for those of you who may not know, listeners at home, what is Elon Musk's sort of plan for the colonization of Mars and what kind of time frame are we looking at here? Is this like a near future thing or a far future thing? <laughs> I've heard, heard from Thomas that it's within the decade. Yeah, I mean, he's he's been interested in it for for a long time. He'll tell you since since childhood. But uh, recently they have been saying a decade uh, as when we will have men on Mars. Wow, that's pretty pretty short. So what like their plan maybe in in more specific, we've got they're sent they're building this giant spacecraft that can launch a bunch of people into Mars. And then maybe even by 2024, I read in some articles, they're planning on sending the first like 50 people up there to start building some stuff and uh, hopefully making some either hydroponics things to feed them or some new Mars colonies. And then, but I think the first few ships are just going to bring supplies up uh, so that people can live up there, obviously, because yes. bring a bunch of people with nothing is not good. So the, the ship has changed a lot o- over the past few years. It was originally called the BFR, the Big uh, Falcon Rocket. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, it, yeah, it, there, there were some images that were released a while back that looked awesome. And they, they've since changed the design uh, to have uh, fins that will help it on reentry. And uh, it looks like it's changing again. They, they're starting to build a uh, prototype of it out in Texas. And it is now a, it looks like it's stainless steel. It's not quite stainless steel, but it's pretty shiny. And uh, <laughs> actually, by the time this podcast comes out, we might have already heard a presentation from Elon on the new design, but that should be coming wow. out pretty soon. That's interesting. We'll have to stay tuned for that one. So, so yeah, going to Mars, starting a colony. I don't know. What, what kind of technologies do we think are making this science fiction? This is obviously something, if anyone's seen The Martian, this is what kind of happens with uh Matt Damon and all his all his buddies they go to Mars and they start a colony. So uh, there's some there's a lot of technologies that we're trying to work out that could potentially lead to a colonization of Mars. So I was just wondering like what kind of technologies do we have available to us right now or we're working on that could make this a possibility. Well, I think one thing that 
we saw if the for those of you who read or have seen the martian um is the idea of the reusable rocketry and that's something that spacex ha spacex has focused on recently um and pride themselves in in this idea of that we can take a rocket and we can launch it into space um, a handful of times and bring it back down to earth and reuse it so that when we do want to go to mars or the moon or any other um any other planet that spacex and elon decide that they want to go to that we can take a rocket and use it multiple times um, lowering the cost and making it easier for us to um, turn around and rescue people like matt damon who do get stuck <laughs> on the planet with no oh, supplies yeah, yeah and, and it's important to note that it, with mars specifically we have a launch window every two years about and so when you're talking about starting a colony and the number of people it would require to, to have that sustainable, you would need to be launching so many rockets that, yeah, it's critical that they're reusable or it would just be cost prohibitive. And so they're, they're talking about launching a ton of rockets within this month window, this month wow. launch window. Yeah. That'd be really cool to see in the sky. Mm -hmm. Spaceport. Also, yeah. <laughs> but I also think on a bio biological, more biological level, one of the things that is necessary for life on Mars would have to be like growing crops up there because it's no way we're just going to ship food up from our surface because that would be a lot cost inefficient, even with these big uh, reusable rockets. And so I think researchers have done uh, extensive research on Martian soil to see if it has all the nutrients to sustain plant life uh, because the atmosphere on Mars is 95% carbon dioxide. Uh, so we'd need a way to breathe as well, which I think some people are working on breathing chambers. But they did some soil surveys and found uh, that plants such as the Watney's potatoes, which they do grow in the Martian, uh, they could grow inside of a controlled environment. They found uh, carbon, they found hydrogen, they found nitrogen, they found iron in the soil, they found boron, all the things that plants need for the uptake of nutrients they found on Mars. So uh, it is it is a possibility of of doing that. And I think some ways that people have tried to focus on the breathing problem. A recent study came out in 2018 about these little cyanobacteria, which are photosynthetic and they can take in wavelengths of light. Even if they're like really dim lights, they can use the infrared signals and uh, convert that into energy through photosynthesis and then give oxygen as a byproduct. So these guys are actually responsible for a large amount of oxygen on our planet. Uh, so we could probably, if we can and they can also live in very inhospitable environments. So if we ship a bunch of those up there, maybe see if they could survive. If we work that out, that could be a way to uh, maybe geoengineer the atmosphere to make it more oxygen rich and people that they could breathe on. So, you know, that's always a cool thing. It's, it'd suck to get to Mars and not be able to breathe. Yeah, the only thing is like, it'd be super hard to build or to create an atmosphere. Yeah, it would take a long time. Because, I mean, our atmosphere isn't all oxygen. There's nitrogen, so how would you put nitrogen in the air is the yeah. big question. Blow up some balloons. and I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> that would be helium. But, yeah, I think we should also think about, like, how to match Earth's atmosphere. Um, I mean, it's so complicated, our atmosphere. Like, even with a Stuart seminar last, last week, the guy was talking about, like, the way the magnetic field works around the Earth and how complicated that is. And we're just finding things about it um, recently. I mean, in the past like 30 years or so um, and how that protects from like space radiation and how we don't know like how Mars's atmosphere is set up or how its magnetic field is set up. And I mean, that's something, I don't know if yeah. we can physically Could be more susceptible to UV rays and cancer and stuff like that. Yeah, as well as 
skin burns and we'd have to figure all that stuff out as well and i I don't think anyone at spacex is viewing mars as a final destination it's it's more of a, a launch point for further exploration and so yeah they realize it's a fixer upper for now <laughs> yeah it's not the ideal planet so you don't think that spacex is sort of this center where people will live and choose to reside instead of earth or do you think that it's more just for scientific purposes and exploring the great beyond yeah no i, I don't think it's going to be a city in in the way that some people talk about it. i think there will be a sizable amount of people living there but I think it'll be for specifically for scientific purposes. All right. So, uh, so on the hypothetical that they do make it a city, uh, what kind of things? I know there's there's a lot of complications that go into building like a new civilization sort of thing. Uh, so, what kind of things would we need? Like governments, all this sort of socioeconomic things to be set up there in order to like avoid total anarchy on this new unclaimed planet? Because you've got a bunch of different countries too that might want stakes in this new territory. I think of looking back at history, like the scramble for Africa, all these European countries just wanted a piece of Africa after they discovered that it was land that they could take over. And so all that chaos that brought there before they set any boundaries. So I was thinking what if this could happen on Mars as well, maybe if it were to turn into like a more city type of thing. Well, what I think is unique about this situation in difference to us going to the moon is that it's not the United States going to Mars, it's SpaceX, which is a private company. So while they do have to adhere to the general idea that um, territory and space cannot be claimed by any one particular nation, um, I think there will be many challenges in the fact that they have the resources and have worked so hard to develop a system and a process of getting to Mars that they will solely control all transportation and therefore all life on Mars because Mm -hmm. they're the only way to get to Mars and will be the regulators of who ends up on Mars and who is governing the people of Mars, as weird as that is to say. Yeah, it's true. So it's sort of like a dictatorship run by SpaceX? Mm, Maybe. (laughs) I mean, they they work pretty closely with NASA um, in all their projects. And so they could not do what they do without NASA. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if... And they're really good about working with the Air Force and stuff. So so I wouldn't be shocked if they agreed to um, follow U.S. law on Mars. Yeah, yeah, I would probably agree because it is a generally U.S.-based company. Um, so I think, like, they would probably adhere to a very similar. Like, it would be like a U.S. territory or something yeah. on Mars. But it wouldn't be necessarily U.S. land, like, own it. It'd be kind of like, kind of like Antarctica. <laughs> yeah, when, but what happens when USSR, space USSR comes around and launches <laughs> a rocket? AKA with 50, China. With, no, Russia. No, <laughs> I think China's going to, because they're, they're trying to next. get to, they're trying to get yeah, to I Mars too. So, so what do we do when China gets to Mars? We're already there. What, what do you, what do you think? What, what's the way to settle that? I feel like Mars is pretty big. <laughs> True. Like the amount hey, of people. We thought Africa was big. <laughs> 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 Until we started taking it over. Yeah, but the, it already had people there. Like That's the true. amount of people were going to be able to get to Mars. And there is. aren't people on Mars already? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you have to listen to our previous podcast to figure that out. Yeah. That was uh, like episode six. <laughs> it's going to deepen the archives. But yeah. So so I guess, uh, I guess a little follow-up principle here. Uh, actually, in the 
the in 1967 the United States actually made a treaty in, on principles governing the activities of states in the exploration and use of outer space uh, and they included this included like the moon and other celestial bodies and it stipulates that no country can take claim to space or its in, its inhabitants yeah, so, watch that stand up in 50 years. They're <laughs> definitely going to yeah, claim we might, it. <laughs> we might need to remake that. Didn't we claim the moon? But then, or if the moon landing was real, we claim the moon. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's where the difference is that space SpaceX isn't a country. Yeah. So they they can automatically, if they chose to, claim a loophole in the system and say, well, we're not a country, mm. therefore this legislation doesn't apply to us, and we now own Mars. I like and that. Elon has his own planet. <laughs> yeah. Just Elon like go home. Just like a Mormon. <laughs> 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 we don't need, uh, yeah, we don't need Mormonism to get our own planet. We can just fly a SpaceX rocket. There you go. There we go. And so, uh, so moving on to a more biblical application, uh, how would moving to a different planet than the one that God specifically designed for us work out sort of biblically? Well, I, I kind of it goes back to like, why do we do anything? I mean, why why is everything not futile? And I, I kind of have, uh, I don't know if it's unique. I I have a view of the eschaton that is a little different than a lot of people's where I don't think that the earth is going to be destroyed in in Mm -hmm. the end times. I think there are some passages to talk about how the earth is in birth pangs and that the new earth will, will come out of the current earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think it's the, the new earth is going to be very similar to ours, but perfected. It is, it is uh, in this book I, I brought, yeah, by N.T. Wright called Surprised by Hope. He talks about how the, the, or the current earth is, is like a, a chalice that is waiting to be filled by God's glory. And so in, in that vein, I think a lot of what we do on earth um, will, it'll kind of serve as our starting point at eternity. So in terms of Mars, uh, space travel, eternity, it's infinite time. Is it possible that we will need infinite space? Maybe the, the most, maybe space is meant to be used primarily for the afterlife because we don't, we don't know all of why space is there yeah. we we don't see a lot of purpose i mean the skies declare his majesty uh it, it's really cool it, it glorifies god in that but beyond that i just have a hard time believing that god would create so much space that is essentially useless um and i i yeah. could i could see a scenario in which we get to the afterlife and we continue expanding from earth uh for all eternity hmm yeah that's that's pretty cool. I, I've, never, I've never heard it like that before, but it's interesting. Yeah, one thing I think is, like, Earth will always be there. It's not like we're going to leave because we can't replicate Earth, like, with our technology. And I don't think we'll ever get to the point where we can create an atmosphere on, like, a planet. Um, but I, I could see, like, planets being populated not necessarily for, like, I mean, like, for like scientific reasons for like exploration i could see that kind of like what interstellar mm-hmm. it's kind of like yeah where you get to different planets and but that's a whole different story oh yeah they're actually trying to repopulate but <laughs> um i don't think we'll get to the point where we'll have to repopulate no no and i mean i'm not i'm not saying that we're going to be bored in eternity but i mean that's something we could do in eternity is <laughs> spend space eternity yeah and yeah exploring space that's cool 
Another interesting thing to think about is what will all of the technology that we have met as man have developed over time happen in eternity? And will we resort to a, to a position that reflects that of the garden where it is just us and God and among nature? Or will we carry with us all the things that man has invented? And that's something that I don't, I've never thought of before, but it, it goes along with what with your you're considering and could we then have could we bring the bfr with us Mm -hmm. into eternity and explore the wonders of creation alongside god or does he truly want us to just abide in his presence and worship him and that be enough for us and that Mm -hmm. be sufficient yeah i mean i i think we see indication in scripture that there's there's at least going to be a city um and the, the term city carries with it some some implications of, of various aspects, but I, I, I think we, we will not be idle. I don't, and, and not that it would be idle to just praise God, but, um, I, I, I don't think suddenly we will have the best technology immediately. I think, I think we can continue yeah. moving forward. I, and what that would look like to develop technology in a perfect world. I, I, I don't know, but yeah. I, I want to leave that possibility open. I think like the very act of like making the technology and using it to the glory of God is like a form of worship. Like Absolutely. we'll be worshiping God forever and ever, but like using the stuff that God has given us the ability to make, I think is also a really a nice form of worship there. And I think ultimately like, yeah, the, what you said, we don't really need to fear the Mars colonization efforts uh, because it's not like we're going to be abandoning earth uh, anytime soon uh, that God has given us because God is sovereign over his planet that he's specifically created. So I don't think, I mean, maybe we could nuke the core and that might blow up Earth, <laughs> but I don't think there's anything we could do to really destroy Earth beyond beyond fixing because if you look even at, like, the story of humanity, like, there's nothing that we can do beyond God's redemption. Uh, so... Uh, do you think that our pursuit of exploring space and conquering things outside of Earth is another possible situation that is similar to the Tower of Babel and Mm -hmm. mankind thinking that we are greater than this place that we have been given and seeking to go above and beyond and live outside of the perfect, not the perfect place, but the place at which God has designed for us. And by seeking to expand beyond that which he has given us is an act of pride and, um, not rebellion against God, but sort of an act that goes against this idea that God created the earth and that it was good for us. Huh. That's an interesting point. So I think some people could definitely take it that way as like, we've conquered the skies. Now we have no need for God anymore. And I definitely think that's what was happening at the tower of Babel. They were trying to build to the heavens so they wouldn't need God anymore or they could meet God up there in the tower. But I think if we look at space exploration in a way that we should look at it as just like, as we go further and further into space, it gives us more the reason to glorify God, more the reason to see how small we are. Um, I think if we look at it that way, it really changes things uh, from that sort of tower babble mindset to more of a, we're going farther to see more of God's glory kind of thing. Does that make sense? And I think, with like the Tower of Babel, they didn't have the way that their relationship was with God was not 
with the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit wasn't existent in them then. Well, now, uh, well, I mean, well, okay, <laughs> it was it was existent, but it wasn't in them. Like it wasn't given okay, to them. Yeah. We have that now, and we're actually able to communicate like directly with God. They really couldn't communicate directly unless they had like offerings and stuff. Yeah, and I, I don't think anyone in the space program would be under the illusion that we were trying to touch God or something by yeah. going. Yeah, to I think it's more of a mindset. Like they actually were trying right. to do that. I don't think yeah. their main goal is to for that. Yeah, but I wouldn't put it past anyone in the space program to be like we don't need God anymore because we can pretty much do anything. No, and it's actually interesting that in the uh, uh, broadcast about the Challenger disaster, I mm-hmm. th- he, uh, the I think it's the president talking, it was someone talking on a broadcast, and they say uh, they they slipped the surly bonds of Earth to touch the face of God. And I mean, so, so yeah. it, it, it's still in the back of the mind somewhere. Yeah, for sure. I think that's what we see going on with, like, that's the big thing with evolutionary theory. People using it to try to remove God from the biological picture as well. So mm-hmm. could be happening with the space as well, but who knows? So uh, I guess a more personal question. If you guys had a chance to live on Mars with Elon, would you? <laughs> I'm going to say no. I think I would, I would stay on Earth. Yeah, I mean, I guess it would depend on how old I was. Like if he asked me today to go to Mars, I would say no. Um, I, I have a lot of stuff I still want to do on Earth. Uh, but ultimately, like, if I'm 50 and, like, my kids have moved out <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm uh, not I, – I think I think I would at that point. I, it's like Elon says. He's like, I, I want to die on Mars, just not on impact. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I, I think I would – I wouldn't, quote, live there. I would like to go there for a bit. Vacation? Yeah, like vacation or something like that. You, like now they have people that you can pay money and I go up to like the International Space Station and be up there for like a day or so. But like there you'd stay for like a month or something and then you'd come back, which the travel back is like... Mission trip to Mars? Yeah, <laughs> you could do a mission trip to <laughs> set up a church on Mars. And he's he's trying to make it cheap enough for you to do that. Like he he's talked before about trying to make it two hundred thousand um, dollars so that someone could theoretically sell their house and move to Mars. Um, but uh, I think I mean that that's a reachable amount even just for. That's for, a lot of money. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a like lot. Cheaper than a plane ticket to Russia. To go to another planet. Two hundred thousand. Oh, never mind. Wait, I lied. <laughs> what airline are you flying to Russia? <laughs> Someone's ripping you off, man. <laughs> I think it's seven hundred. Darn. Maybe North Korea, because it costs your life to go into there. Do you do you put your life at two hundred thousand dollars? <laughs> Sell your house <laughs> to buy a seven hundred dollar ticket to Russia. <laughs> oh gosh, I would. I think I would go there. I'd live on Mars. I feel like that's now. Like today, you'd go. Okay, maybe. <laughs> okay, if if I were married, I would go. You would leave your wife, or you no. <laughs> if me and my wife were both like scientists and. They had some cutting edge lab on Mars. I think I'd go and yeah. be happy doing science in solitude for the be rest the of Be the first of our in- interplanetary species. Yeah. What would I be called? Would I, my race would be like. I think your child would be a Martian. Oh, well, that's so cool. Yeah. Like, I was born in Mars. I wonder how reproductive, like, would work on Mars. 
Like would, yeah, so I mean, there there are some current, sort of. concerns about it, primarily about radiation yeah. exposure on the trip there. Um, but yeah, yeah, that, that could be bad. So I guess going off on a little bit of a different note, uh, do you think religion would play a role on Mars in any way, and what role should Christians play in, I guess, establishing a Mars colony based on like morality and civility and stuff like that? I think rig- religion, in the sense of the word as a relationship with god yes it has to religion in the sense of organized religion i don't know if that's the first priority of the the scientists and the engineers that are traveling out um with spacex for some of the first launches but inevitably if people go to mars and end up living there and we do colonize the planet then religion will play a part just by the pure fact that there are are people out there and therefore opportunity for a relationship with our creator. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's going to be fundamentally different in a, in a way than earth. I mean, it's like, it's like the message in interstellar, the evil went with them. It, it was, it, they didn't leave evil behind. It's just innate in humans. And yeah. so, I mean, I think religion's a similar way. We'll just bring it with us. Yeah. And also, I mean, space is God's creation too. So that's, that's still, general revelation it's not like we're stepping outside some sort of like boundary the god bubble yeah it's like that's all that's creation too now i mean leaving god <laughs> you have terrible. now entered no man's land um no but i think like time not time travel <laughs> space travel could be like a really good opportunity to get like to find resources that we might be lacking on earth or something like that like important resources that could be major but then like spacex would become the amazon <laughs> of yeah. space and then amazon's it all right so i think i think maybe if if we were to establish a society on mars and if it were run by the dictatorship of spacex i think <laughs> is that, that where we landed on that <laughs> yeah this is we're talking theory now Uh, pure theory so i think if you look over all the systems all the governmental systems that have completely abolished religion and abolished god from the picture uh, we see like mao's china stalinist russia nazi germany all these all these big things that are very well known in history to abolish have abolished organized religion persecute christians such as that Uh, i think when we what we see from these is when you abolish god uh, the government inevitably becomes god because there's something needs to fill that sort of void in people and I think when this happens, you got a few things. Uh, number one, lots of people die <laughs> because you're worshiping a God that's not good and not just and will kill you for not believing or not like reciting or reading books or stuff like that, or just in the gulags, you'll die there. And so I think also you look back at how America was formed with religion in mind. And I think I think it should play some role in defining like the ethics if we were to develop a new governmental system if we're not just taking the American uh, constitution up with us uh, in our little vacuum bag, uh, I guess, (laughs) I guess we could forge a new one, but I think that we'd have to play some role of that. Cause if we go up there with our uh, postmodern ethics doctrine of truth, it's going to be a lot of chaos and scattered, scatterbrain mentality. I really hope Mars doesn't just become like a testing ground for new ethical theories. Cause that would, I don't know. It'd be kind of interesting to read about, but it wouldn't be good for the people up there. Not at all. So I guess just to close, we've got a last question. Um, 
So do you think if we could theoretically geoengineer Mars to make a livable planet, do you think we would have we would eventually cause the same problems on Mars that we have on our own planet, such as overpopulation, climate change on Mars, <laughs> changing the climate too drastically, making it unlivable, killing... I mean, we don't have the problem of killing the biodiversity on Mars because there's none, really. But just like, do we have the problem of taking it too far like that, do you think? Or is this more of like a playground place that you can't do wrong stuff to? I think we're going to have a hard enough time making it livable in the first place. Uh, I, I don't I don't think it's possible, honestly, to just make the planet as a whole livable. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it were, I, uh, I, I just keep coming. Like, that would have to be so far in the future. Like, we're talking thousands and thousands of years in the future before we would be able to get to a point where it's so populated that that became an issue. That I, I just I hope the world's ended by then. But <laughs> I don't know. If we have if we have the Indian birth rate, we could populate that place in like three years. Mm-hmm. Over a billion people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but not to the point where we'd be in danger of overpopulation. Yeah. It's Still. a big planet. I mean like, it's we're, like we're what, not there yet of the size of Earth? So I, I have no idea. Oh. It's how big is Mars? It's a little bit smaller. Little well, bit smaller. no, actually, it is. Actually, I think it's substantially smaller. Like, I think Venus is about the same size. Yeah, Mars is like smaller than Venus. So, the thing is, gravity is less on there than it is here. So, I bet you, like, there'd be a lot of physiological oh, problems yeah. that could arise. We could dunk on Mars. Yeah, it's slightly more than half the size of Earth. Oh wow, that's, oh, that's tiny. So maybe Relatively, we a, maybe we don't have a lot of space for China. <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll have to colonize the whole planet. SpaceX. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like where that's going. But uh, space why? Yeah, I, I, I still, I, that is so far in the future that we would even be able to warm it up enough for us to be able to step outside. So I, I, I think yeah. we're we're pretty far. Yep. Well, we got biospheres. We could set up. Yeah, I think I think that's the best option. I think we're, we will have huge domes or more mm. likely underground um just yeah. automatic Protect protection yeah. yeah but uh I, I think we'll have large living spaces just not planet scale yeah but we could just keep expanding one and then eventually it'll cover the whole planet yeah like right. the hunger games yeah. and that's that's like i mean elon jokes about well we hope he's joking about nuking <laughs> mars <laughs> <laughs> about nuking mars to warm it up but another idea he's thrown out is uh some sort of like reflector satellites enclosing the planet to trap heat oh. um both seem pretty unrealistic at this point but yeah i mean that would be a lot of surface area for the satellites it would like even we we have like how many satellites up in our atmosphere and it's not even really covering it that much no and but if anyone could do it it would be spacex i mean with their starlink program they're trying to have thousands and thousands of their satellites in orbit um at a time and so i mean they're working on it for us yeah they're going faster than nasa yeah i can just imagine there's some good things that could come out of this interplanetary travel i think we could gain a better appreciation of our own planet too uh, through that, seeing all the struggles it takes to building a planet, just give more glory to God for all the, I mean, it was easy for him, but all like all the specific things that have to go right in order for life to appear and all that stuff. So, yeah, it's just, I can just imagine myself on Mars looking back at Earth and be like, oh, Earth is so perfect. We could never make a planet such as good as Earth on Mars. 
Yeah, I think it'd be kind of restrict, even though it'd be cool to be on Mars, but it'd be kind of restrictive because you have to be so careful about everything you do, just like all astronauts Fragile. have to do. Yeah, because if you mess something up, you're you're dead. Like you're either going to be frozen to death or you're going to be sucked in. You're not be able to breathe at all. I mean, people like on the International Space Station have to be so careful too with everything they do, especially like recycling, like. Um, water and producing oxygen and all that stuff yeah so that is going to conclude today's episode of the convergence podcast but if you guys like what you heard or wanted to comment in the comments below feel free to do that or email us at the convergence podcast bu at biola.edu and uh, we'll get back to you shortly as well as you can uh, you can dm us on on twitter if that's what you call it, is it tweet tweet at the convergence podcast bu not many people follow us on twitter so we don't expect you to dm us on twitter at all but there's an option there and if you liked either one of these uh guest stars and want them back also you can you can text us uh because they won't come back unless you text us. <laughs> <laughs> they do private parties as well uh so <laughs> <laughs> no um yeah thank you guys for listening in uh this has been the convergence podcast Thank you.